Welcome to Uproot. My name is Lily Bacella Piper, and as always, I am so glad that you've tuned in today, and I hope wherever you're listening from, you are safe and healthy. Way before this pandemic completely changed all of our lives, I had the unique privilege of recording an episode at the International School of Kenya. This is my fourth time shooting an episode there, and I was invited this time to talk to middle school students about their identity. Every year, ISK celebrates International Day, where over 70 countries have a chance to express their culture and share it with the other members of the school community. In the last few years, ISK has tried to go a bit deeper and allow students to explore their identities beyond their passport countries. In this episode, you'll get to hear from three really bright and fantastic middle school students who talk to us about the complexity of their identities, what choices they're having to make, and how they engage with the world. In the middle of a lot of heavy news about COVID-19, I hope this episode will remind you how bright and full of potential our future is because of these students and students just like them. So enjoy this episode on identity and making sure that students have a chance to express why they are proud to be me. Enjoy. Salam and hello. Welcome to Uproot. Today we are live at the International School of Kenya here in Nairobi. It's a beautiful day. And today we're going to talk about identity. Last month in December, I actually had a live show with three adults who are all Kenyans but identify with Kenya in different ways. And this morning, I'm really thrilled to have three students here from ISK who are going to talk to us about their own identities, the path they've taken to understand themselves better, and hopefully share with us some stories and experiences that they have had that have really shaped who they are. And so we're really excited to be here, and we're going to get started straight away. So I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourself and tell us where you're from and how long you've lived in Kenya. Jason, start us off. So hi, my name is Jason. I'm Korean-American, and I've been living in Kenya for the past year. Welcome, Jason. Hi, my name is Danya. I've been living in Kenya for about four years now, but not in a row, and I'm from the U.S. and Ethiopia. Hi, I'm Randisa. I'm from India, and I've lived in Kenya for seven years. Can we give them a round of applause? All right, welcome, guys. All right, so Mandisa, we're going to start with you. Um, Tell us how you identify. You've told us you're from India, um, but tell us maybe how you identify and what assumptions people make about you based on that identity. So um, when people first see me, they assume I'm from India, which is correct but no one really pays attention to the fact that there are a lot of countries where people do look like me. They share my skin color. For example, Sri Lanka or Bangladesh or Pakistan. And people always assume things, general things about Indians. Like, for example, that we're all vegetarian, which we're not. I I love meat. Um, (laughs) People also assume that I'm really religious or that I speak Indian, which is not a language. Um, So I think that those assumptions, expectations of me have kind of changed over the years as they've only evolved and made me to the person I am. Thank you for that. Um, I, I want to stay with you for one more second just to follow up on that. In Kenya, we also have a large Kenyan Indian population. So you've been here for a couple years, but tell me maybe when you first got here, did your identity as an Indian, was it different here than it was maybe in India? 
I think there's a lot more acceptance um, about Indians in Kenya. I think that the expectations that people have of Indians are very different to when I'm in India. So I think that even when I came at first, I felt pretty accepted into the community. Great. Thank you. Jason, let me ask you, you are, you've just been in ISK for a year. Yes. And where else have you lived other than Kenya? Well, I was born in the U.S., and afterwards I've lived in Mexico for two, and Korea for four, and the U.S. for the first seven years of my life, and okay. then my first year in Kenya. So where did you move to Kenya from? Where was your last post? South Korea. South Korea. Okay. So Jason, tell me a little bit for you, what has the experience for you as you've moved in and out of those countries? What are some of the first maybe responses or assumptions people make about you based on your identity? Well, to begin with, I have a separate Korean and English name. So whenever I go international, go to anywhere international, I go through with my English name. And a lot of assumptions I feel mostly teachers make or that I've felt in the past is that they're surprised to see that I'm Asian. And then furthermore, this is for teachers and peers in the past, they, I feel that a lot of them are taken aback by the fact that I can actually speak English mm. and that I, can, I speak like this and so that's, I'm not sure if I'm interpreting that correctly, but that's what I've been feeling. When you say like this, you mean with, that, with an accent, without an accent, or? Not as thick as an accent as the people expect. Okay. So let's, I want to talk a little bit more about the English name and your Korean name. Can you share with us your Korean name? Uh, is my Korean name. Okay. And my, as you know, my English name is Jason. Jason. So... You've, it's interesting, you, you're uh, on this panelist, of, of among the, all of you have actually had the chance to live in your birth country in addition to now your host country of Kenya. How does the, your name affect maybe those initial assumptions when you were in South Korea versus the United States versus maybe Kenya? So by having a different name, well, as I mentioned before, there are assumptions that I'm Asian or not. But additionally, I feel that having introducing myself as a different name, I sort of like compartmentalized the different aspect of me. For example, mm -hmm. I have, by when I go with, with my English name, I feel like I act a bit differently, if that makes any sense. And that I have different, or, yeah, I act differently. And with my Korean name, I feel like I have a different, not exactly personality, but a different aspect of me. I, I think that's really, really fascinating, actually. Um, I'm going to ask you another follow-up question <laughs> about that. What, what do you think, what are the differences? If you're going by your Korean name and maybe that personality, what does that personality look like? And is that personality different than maybe the personality we're seeing this morning? So I feel like this is a difference in culture, but when I go by my Korean name, I get... I have the more I have the mental state that I'm in more Korea, a more Korean area. Mm. So and then the environment there is very different from the one we have here. So I feel like I adjust to that type of mentality and environment to sort of fit in better. Yeah. yeah. And like one example being I feel like I'm a bit more rough if that makes sense when I go by Korean. Oh, interesting. Is do you think that's, is that are you more comfortable in that space? That depends on the situation. Yeah, fair. That's fair. Let me ask the audience, how many of you have a name that is a less English name or a less Western name that maybe your parents, that's actually on your birth certificate or even your grandparents call you? How many of you, if you can raise your hand, if you've got maybe more than one name that other people find hard to pronounce. Okay, so at least 50% of us have, have a name that maybe, and how many, let me ask those of you, how many of you go by a more maybe English sounding name as opposed to maybe your birth name? 
So about the same percent, about 30, 40% of you. Yeah, names are really powerful because it's what you get called all day long. And if that changes your personality, then that's a really important part of our identity. Thank you, thank you for that, Jason. Danya, let's go to you, honey. Um, so you've lived in Kenya, Ethiopia, and the United States. In and out, no, never the United States. So Kenya and Ethiopia. So you're East African. Um, tell us a little bit about your identity and some of the assumptions people make about you. So when I am alone walking around or anything, people think that I'm not Muslim, but I am. And when I'm with my siblings or family, they assume they're Muslim and I'm Muslim because they wear the hijab, which is true. But they always ask me, why aren't I wearing the hijab? And I tell them, it's my choice, it's my life. I'll wear it whenever I want, and that shouldn't affect the way you think about me or the way I talk to you. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, wearing the hijab, obviously. Yeah, let's give a round of applause. That's, that's a really powerful. Well done to you. So where, where do you feel like that shows up the most for you? Are there times where um, you are, you've got, you told me earlier, you're four sisters in your family, which is pretty amazing. I've got four kids too. That's a lot of fun. A lot of work though for mom and dad. <laughs> um, tell me when you're out as a family, some of if there's a story maybe that you can tell us that of way people react to you as opposed to your sisters. Um, so if I'm going out with my family or whatever, because I have two sisters in university, so I rarely see them. But when I do see them, we go out anywhere. People kind of give us a stare and they're like, what are you doing here? Like, what, why? Mm -hmm. But when, let's say my sisters are alone because obviously when they go out to eat or whatever because they're by themselves, people don't really do anything to them because they see that, yeah, they wear the hijab, they're by themselves. But when I'm with them, they're like, why isn't this girl wearing the hijab? So they don't, they don't necessarily assume. They're, so their questions are more why you don't. Yeah. Um, and you were telling me a story about an airport situation. Can you tell us that story? <laughs> so that goes with language, yeah. if that's fine. Yeah, sure. So one time I was with my family traveling to the U.S. and one person, you know how they check you, you go through the scanner thing? Mm -hmm. At security. Yeah, the security okay. thing. And they asked my sister, do you speak English? Just because she was wearing the hijab. So they assumed that she couldn't speak English. But when I was, when I went through the thing by myself, they thought I could speak English. But once I started talking to her, they saw that, yeah, we were family. And they asked me, do you speak English? And so they assumed our language just because by the way we look or by the way we act. Yeah. You know, faith is a, a unique part of our identity for many of us, but not all of us have an ex external expression of that faith. So we can look at you and make all kinds of assumptions. But then, of course, if you're wearing the hijab, we'll assume maybe something completely different. And that's a really a powerful impact. It's like the name, right? It's an all day, all the time thing that you really can't take off, per se. Um, Mandisa, let me ask you, you are a leader in the student community, and I know you're really involved in ISK's program on Friday that is going to talk about why we are proud to be ourselves and all of our different identities. Do you think the expectations and assumptions of you as an Indian young woman would be different if you were a boy? So um, India is very traditional, or I find it very traditional, so I can't walk down a busy street without dressing appropriately or what people deem appropriate. And the thing is, I find a bunch of um, guys my age, we can wear the 
things that wouldn't be considered appropriate and they will not get judged, they will not get stared at. And I feel like a lot of girls can relate to this, that there's a lot of bias shown sometimes towards what um, men wear to what compared to what women wear. So I think that some of the expectations that my family have of me or that my community has of me would be different if I was a different gender. Yeah. Daniel, what do you think about that? Do you share a similar perspective as Mandisa? So for expectations, yeah, I kind of agree with Mandisa because usually girls have more of the pressure on them and boys have less, but since I don't have any brothers, I don't really know, (laughs) but I do have cousins and they have less expectations than what my cousins who are girls have. So I kind of agree with that. And and those exterior expectations, assumptions you really can't control, right? All you can control is your how you respond to them. So I'm going to ask you, Mandisa, how do you how do you handle that? Maybe double standard sometimes, or the different expectations society has on you. So I've tried to explain to my grandparents and my cousins that I choose what I want to wear and how I want to act, but there are certain. Uh, ways people see me which I really cannot control so if I walk down a street I can't change everyone's opinions of me and truth be told I don't do anything about it because it's not I can't change someone else but I'm not really ashamed of what I wear or who I am well done Jason I'm going to put you on the spot as the only boy on this panel or young man what do you think about the expectations uh, maybe in your own community for boys versus girls Actually, the, from the community I came from, there aren't there aren't that many expectations regarding like clothing, or much of anything to be to be factful. <laughs> it's it's so, more equitable, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like there isn't much difference between gender in the community that I come from. Okay. So let me ask the audience again: How many of you think? Let's let me ask the girls first. Okay. So girls, for you, do you think your life would be better? or easier if you were a boy? Oh, wow. Okay. Some strong feelings around that. Okay. Okay. Girls again. Girls again. Do you think that your life in school here at ISK would be different or better if you were a boy? Okay. That's... How many... Anybody say, "Uh, maybe I'm on the fence about it. I'm not sure. Okay. Boys, let me ask you. Do you think your life would be different or better if you were a girl? Some big reaction there, okay. I hear some no, I hear some yes. Okay. Well, you know, gender is something that's obviously hugely central to who we are. And so on Friday when you're in these workshops, it'll be good to think about how does being a young man or a young woman affect my day-to-day life? And then try and put yourself in the shoes of maybe the person, what gender you're not, to see, you know, do I... Can I empathize or understand what their experiences are? Because it sounds like there's some strong feelings about how different your life would be if you were not a girl or not a boy. All right, let's, let's keep... There's so much to talk about. I know we don't have much time. So, uh, Jason, let me come back to you. Um, you, we've talked a little bit um, before this show um, and just getting ready for it about some of your initial experiences wherever you are in the world, whenever you start a new school or start to make friends. Um, but then you also had a chance to live in South Korea. You were born in the United States, but you had a chance to live in your parents' home country and one of your home countries. Was that different? Was that experience different than living in Mexico or the United States or it's been in Kenya? 
Yes, because when I'm in South Korea, well, I look South Korean, so a lot of people assume that I've been living there and that I'm from there natively, but that's not the fact. So, like, the first few years I was in Korea, it was, like, really hard for me because, first, I'm not, I'm not that fluent in the language itself, so that's an assumption people made of me because I look Korean. And then another thing is like the cultural differences and just the difference in environment. It took me a while to get used to and like actually fit in. Yeah. And then even in international situations, I get the opposite because I look South Korean. They assume, well, the same because I look that way. They assume that I'm from South Korea and that, as mentioned before, that I'm not really accustomed to American culture, but that's not exactly true. Yeah. It's hard because either wherever you are, I'm not fitting in perfectly. You're not fitting in. Yeah. How many of you relate to that? Like not fitting in really like anywhere. Yeah. So many of us, it's almost a majority of the crowd of just where, where's home and where do you fit in? Um, let's talk a little bit about language though. For those of you who are just listening and are not obviously here in person with us, our students are all from three different ethnic groups, three different continents actually in their origins uh, or parts of a continent. And yet you all have a similar kind of accent, like an international school kid accent. Um, but tell me, uh, Mendy, so maybe we can start with you. How, what role does language play in your identity? So I came from a British school, and when I was there, many people thought I was American because of my accent. But then when I came here, people thought I was British because of my accent. Um, and so I think that it's funny how no one assumes that I'm Indian just because I don't have an Indian accent, and how people have this assumption that there's a certain type of accent for certain people. And I think that's not really fair since you can speak a language and not necessarily contain that accent or be from that place. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dania, how about for you? Any thoughts about language and maybe when you're in Ethiopia versus when you're here and what role that plays in your identity? So in general, not just in Ethiopia. So when I do talk to people, before I talk to them, if they know me, they know I'm Muslim. So if I see any anybody from the Middle East, they assume that I speak Arabic, but I can't speak Arabic for my life. So <laughs> when I talk with them, I tell them I cannot speak Arabic. Sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. And they're shocked because I can actually speak English. So when I talk to people, the my language, the way I talk to people, breaks the stereotypes that people have for me before I talk. And they realize that, yeah, this person's Muslim. They wear the hijab, or maybe they don't. And they can still speak English because it's my voice that defines my character and not the way I look or, yeah. Well done, well done, absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about being in a family and sometimes the different choices families make around these identity choices that, you know, you're still kids at home and so some of those choices are not yet yours fully. Um, Dania, let me start with you. You talked at the beginning about having older sisters and the, the choice around the hijab is really being your choice. So as you're thinking about it, do you know what you'll do or have you thought through that process? So right now, if you don't know me, I'm 11. So right now I'm not thinking of putting it on because I might take it off and I don't want to go through that way. So right now I'm not going to put it on. But once I grow older and see where my life is taking me, then I'll be more sure of putting it on. Yeah. So when you're, as you're thinking through that, who are the people that you talk to to help you understand what might be best for you? So 
my mom is the one who helps me because she obviously has much experience wearing the hijab. So she tells me that it's my choice and she helps me and she tells me if I'm not ready then I shouldn't put it on and she tells me when I'm going through whatever stage in life then that's when I'll know when I can put on the hijab. So Jason, for you, as you've gotten older, has your identity changed or what's important about your identity changed for you? Uh, Yes, but just not in the fundamental sense for personally me, but as I grow older, I feel like they're growing not as 2D and simple, but just growing more complex and entangled with each other. For example, with the language and ethnicities, it's not just black and white, it's an entire spectrum of gray. Wow, that's, that's a really profound thought. So instead of things becoming simpler, yeah, thank you. Instead of things uh, becoming simpler, they're becoming more complex for you. Right. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What, what part of your identity in particular is becoming more complex? Well, the easiest one to talk about is race, but like... In the past, I just thought of myself as Korean-American, but now that I'm living in more international places and just getting more accustomed to each of the cultures, I can't exactly define myself with only two of the cultures that I've lived in. Mm. So I feel like it's, it would be better if I could somehow like express the, the variety of cultures and the countries, the languages that I speak, that can change my how who I am. Yeah. So it's that idea of people still looking at you, assuming you're this or that, and you knowing you have so much more that defines who you are. Yeah. Um, Mandisa, how about for you? How does race affect your identity and, and also how people understand you in terms of close friends? You know, other people out there who you don't who don't matter to your life as much, like you said, you can't change them. But for close friends who you really you know, share and confide in. How does your race maybe affect those friendships? I think that my friends have become really accepting of who I am, and I think that they made the whole transition really easy. Um, So I think that generally in this community, when people get to know you, they do accept you for who you are. So I was really appreciative of my friends understanding that there are certain things that I'm not comfortable with them saying or um, assumptions that they're making. Um, So I think that the whole idea of... um, race has changed for me. Like Jason said, it's not just black and white. And so I think that it's made me a lot more aware of there are a lot of people in this world. Okay, thank you. So one last question for all of you, and then we're going to have maybe two minutes to ask questions. What makes you proud to be who you are? And all of your different identities as young people, as boys, as girls, as people from all over the world, what, what makes you proud to be who you are? I don't know if anyone wants to start. That's a big question. (laughs) I think my independence, I think growing up in international um, school and um, moving around, it kind of made me um, kind of raise myself in a certain way. And my parents obviously helped me through it, but I think that there's a certain level of independence international kid gets, which other children may not. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really framed who I am today. Okay, thank you. Danny or Jason? Oh, you guys are such a supportive audience. That's awesome. (laughs) What makes me proud to be me is having a strong faith because I am Muslim. I do all the Muslim obligations and stuff, but I have a strong faith. So whenever I'm going through hard things or even easy things, I have my faith that helps me through, and that's what makes me stronger. 
That's awesome. Thank you. I'm sure a lot of people can relate, but moving around every two to three years, going to a new country, a new school, a new community, and that the diversity that that brings me is what makes me proud to be me. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do you have time for questions? Okay. So I'm going to actually keep them behind later and talk more to them. But before you all go, we thought we'd give a minute for questions. If anyone has a question or two, you can see Mr. Gregor here at the front, and he can give you the mic and you can ask your question and then you can direct it to any of our panelists here who will take a chance at um, answering it. Um, so introduce uh, yourself for us first. Tell us your name and my what grade you're in. My name is Isaiah. Uh, I want to ask, uh, what part of Ethiopia are you from? Yeah. So I'm from Addis Ababa, which is the capital, and that's where all my family lives, so yeah. So I was just kind of surprised because, uh, mo- oh my God. I was just kind of surprised because most Ethiopians are like very Christian, so I thought you were part of the new Somali states area. So my parents are from a place, but I'm not gonna say it because I can't pronounce it. But so they're from a place in Ethiopia, and that's where they grew up. And my mom is from that small place, and she's Muslim. So even though she's from Ethiopia, she's Muslim. And my dad was raised in Addis Ababa, and he's still Muslim. So I do have lots of family who is Muslim, but I also have friends who are Christian. That's a great question because so many of our countries are more diverse than we realize, and Ethiopia is a good example of that. Where, yeah. So thank you for that question. Um, well, now that the media is becoming more part of our lives, how can the media actually affect your identity? Great question. How does um, social media in particular or just general media? Like yeah, TV? just media in general. Media in general. How does media affect your identity? Does anyone want to take a chance at answering that? So one way that media could affect your identity is some people post, if you have Instagram, which I don't, but if you do have Instagram and you post photos, you some people try to be other people and they're not, and they're not being their true selves. They maybe put filters or some weird makeup or whatever, and they try to be someone else, and they're not being themselves, and it kind of mentally changes you. Adding on to what Danya said, the whole prospect of being not being yourself, I feel like there's this pressure that the social that social media puts on you that sort of try, you try to shape yourself in a different way that you're not, so that you can either be negative or positive, however you take it but that it affects you in a really big way. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. How many of you have social media? Snapchat or Instagram or something? Okay, so like 70, 80, 90% of you? Okay. How many of you have ever put a post out there that you thought, this isn't exactly me, but I like who this post makes me look like? Or put out something that's, you know... It's hard to raise your hand for that one. So maybe I see some honest hands kind of waving. Yeah, social media definitely affects us day to day. It's a great conversation to keep having. Thank you for that question. Um, so, Ms. Piper, what makes you proud to be you? Me? Yeah. Oh, thanks for that question, Halina. Um, I'm proud of a lot of things. Definitely proud to be mom of four great kids. I'm proud that I always felt as a kid I never fit in. My family were immigrants to the United States, and I moved when I was a kid, and I struggled with language, I struggled with fitting in, I struggled with making friends, and I'm just proud that I think as an adult, I found a way to just be myself most of the time. I would say 80% of the time, I'm truly myself, and I'm proud of that. 
Thanks for that question. All right. Uh, this is a question to Jason. Do you know any reason why you've been moving so much? My dad's a diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that we wanted to do today in this conversation is to give a chance to ask questions and talk about things that we don't always get a chance to talk about. And I hope all of you will use this as not the end of something, but the beginning, that on Friday and in your classrooms and your other places at lunch tables, that you'll keep talking about identity, what makes you unique, what makes you proud. I think there's so much that we can learn from each other, right? I don't know. Do you guys agree? So much you can learn? Have you guys learned something about each other this process? Yeah, got it. How many of you learned something new today from listening to your classmates' stories? Yeah? So I hope you'll keep having these conversations, and thank you so much for having it. Can we give them a warm round of applause and say thank you to them? Thank you so much, Dania, Jason, Mandisa, for sharing your perspectives. I have learned so much from each of you, and you have every reason to be proud of who you are. And I echo that pride in saying I am incredibly proud of you and proud to be part of your community. Friends, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. It reminded me why I started this podcast, because these issues of identity matter so much. And as we come out of a week where the entire world is thinking about why Black lives matter, this episode really reminds us that indeed, we have to not just say that we see no color. We should see the colors, the languages, the experiences that each of us represents. Because if we don't, we miss out on the truly beautiful thing about having a diverse and unique community. Thanks so much for listening to Uproot. I hope you'll follow me on IG and on Facebook and on Twitter at Uproot and Lil, Uproot and L-I-L-L. -L. And of course, I love to hear from you. Send me a, an email at uprootthepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, keep at it until it becomes rooted. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay well. Talk to you soon.